As most of you know by now, I'm Kevin Gilligan, the host of the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. I'll be joined in a bit by the skipper dude who will do his own segment regarding the Broncos preseason and his hopes for the Broncos 2019 regular season. We're obviously going to talk about the prospects of the new year, which is finally, finally upon us. I'm sure everyone is just now finishing their fantasy drafts, their their popping their popcorn, getting ready for a great matchup on Thursday night between the Green Bay Packers and Chicago Bears. Um, I know everyone has to be as excited as I am for the Denver Broncos because it's that time of year where hope springs eternal. We have a new coach who we respect, who's this brilliant defensive mind in Vic Fangio. He seems to be an adult who runs the team very maturely, unlike what we've had in the last few years. We've got a veteran quarterback who could perhaps do something there's talent on offense and of course a very very good defense or what should be a very good defense highlighted by Von Miller and Bradley Chubb as your two monsters off of the defensive ends in edge rushing position so a lot to talk about a lot to be hopeful for I want to tell people already to start the show that I'm not as hyped about this team as many people um and I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to be like, oh, this team sucks. It's miserable. They are headed in the right direction. I want to say that before anything else. This team is headed in the right direction. They've had a couple of good drafts. They've got a coach that looks like he knows what he's doing. John Elway has proven that he can bring in top-notch free agents when he needs to. Now, there are also a lot of question marks. The offensive line is a big question mark. Joe Flacco being anything above average is a huge question mark. Even the running game is a question mark. The defense is very solid. I think there are a few questions there, but there are still, you know, a couple that pop up. You know, the injuries in the preseason made the Broncos have to go up out and pick up two defensive backs right before the season and two guys who are not familiar with the system, two guys who are young and and really unproven. So partly they were brought in, I think, to be um, special teams players. But it's a little bit of a worry. The Broncos just went out and selected seven guys off the waiver wire. That's a lot. And that's fairly unheard of in the NFL to say that at the last moment, a week before your first game, you're going to drop or you're going to pick up seven guys who've never been part of your team, except for, of course, Corey Nelson, who was a Bronco, but he's still not familiar with the Broncos scheme and with Vic Fangio's scheme. So that speaks a bit to the lack of depth. It speaks to bad special teams. And, and I think it shows that this team is not there yet. They're, they're going in the right direction. It's moving forward, but this is not their year. Now, I would be overly happy and overjoyed if I'm wrong. And the Broncos surprise me and somehow win nine or ten games. But I just don't see it. And, and in a bit, we'll go through their schedule, and, and I'll say which games I think are losses, which games I think will be wins. And of course, when you predict a schedule and you predict, you know, how things are going to end up in the standings at the end of the year, it's really, it's obviously a guess. It's it's impossible. We don't know what other injuries will happen either in in the division, in the Bron- on the Broncos team, you know, on on their opponent's team. So, you know, when when we go and we say, okay, you know, the 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 game at the LA Chargers will be a loss. That's assuming, of course, that Philip Rivers is healthy and and most of their key players are still on the field. Anything can happen in the National Football League. Now, I think sometimes you can guess pretty well what's going to happen in a game. Say, Baltimore versus Miami this coming week. I can pretty confidently say that Miami that Miami is going to lose that game. Miami is in a very clear um, self destruct mode, and they are wanting to to tank. They they want to get a high draft pick, and I don't think anyone would de- deny that fact. I mean, they have Ryan Fitzpatrick starting over Josh Rosen, which is in itself a completely head-scratching decision. They just traded their star, eh, okay, maybe not star, but a top 10 left tackle for a ton of draft picks. So they're building for the future and as they should be. Now, that being said, they also have Ryan Fitzpatrick. But anyway, Baltimore is a very good team. Miami is not a very good team. So Denver's going to be kind of a tough team to, to guess and to pick this year I mean especially against the spread because they're kind of that team that's right in the middle they're not great and they're not terrible they're going to be kind of a team that's going to give a lot of other their opponents a hard time I think they're going to battle I think Vic Fangio will have them mostly prepared but there are still a lot of weaknesses on this team and I can see them imploding at times as well and again 
anyone who listens to this show knows that I'm not in love with Joe Flacco. I mean, I think he's an improvement, but but really barely. I mean, you look at the QBR, you look at the stats in the last few years, and Joe Flacco is regularly bottom 10, sometimes even bottom 5. He's not a very good quarterback, and he, at least he hasn't been. So his ceiling obviously is as high as it can possibly go because technically the guy was a Super Bowl MVP. So so the sky is, I guess you could say it's the limit, but he really has only had one good season. He's had a couple others that were okay, and the last five have been bad. I Not just okay, they've been bad. He's been a bad quarterback. So, of course, we hope that the new scheme, the new team, the new look will, will provide that boost to him, and, and it might. The guy has the talent. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He should have the brain. He's, he's, a, he's a veteran, and I think the offense should be a solid scheme, at least, obviously coming over from the, the Shanahan-style scheme, which is somewhat familiar to us. A lot of bootlegs, a lot of play action, a lot of run with the, your, your zone-blocking scheme, and maybe we'll see it, it, it do better than I expect. And of course, that's, that's what I hope will happen. Now, more likely what will happen is they're going to have an average or below average season. And I think we just have to come to grips with that. And that's okay. It's okay. I mean, they're in a rebuild, technically. I mean, John Elway doesn't say they are, and then and he tries to make it so they aren't, but they're not there yet. Joe Flacco, to me, is just not a guy who's going to win you nine or ten games. I just don't see it. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, if this offense can be even average, then yeah, they, they could win nine or ten games because the defense could be great. So they could be another version of the 2015 team where you have a quarterback who really struggles, but is a game manager, doesn't make big mistakes. He gets the ball, you know, he, he completes third downs and doesn't lose you a game. And Joe Flacco, maybe he could do that. Maybe he could. If the run game's good enough and the defense is great, then yeah, this team could go places. But I think they're not quite there. I think they're not quite there. They're, they're close, but they're not there yet. So when you start looking through the through the schedule, of course, the first game is Monday night against Oakland. So they have a little more time to prepare, which is, I know, for all of us, kind of aggravating because we just want to see the Broncos play a football game. It feels like forever and a half since, especially this preseason, has been the longest in, in team history. I think at least it definitely feels like it. And it's at Oakland. This is an interesting game, and I don't like Oakland. I think Oakland is a team that that's very rough around the edges and really lacks depth and lacks some star players. And especially on defense, they should be a really a pretty bad defense, but they've got a, a solid quarterback in Derek Carr. They've got Antonio Brown. They've got Josh Jacobs at running back who I like a lot. And so they've got some, and Tyrell Williams comes over from the, the chargers. So they've got some talent on offense. And I think with Gruden, I think they're going to, they're going to cause some trouble. And I think this is the last season in Oakland, so I think the crowd's going to be totally bonkers, probably nuts. I mean, they know that their team is moving to LA, or excuse me, to Las Vegas. And that being the case, I think they're going to really bring it. So I think playing in Oakland is actually going to be pretty hard. I think, again, they're not a great team, but this first game in Oakland, I actually have it as a loss for the Broncos. I know that's rough to hear, and I absolutely hope I'm wrong, but I think if you go go check out my show, I've got another show on YouTube called The Footballogists. The Footballogists. It's it's about the human element and in, in trying to bet against the spread and to predict the team's total wins by the human element, which means injuries, it means new schemes, coaching staffs, drama in the locker room, etc. And so when I look at these two these two teams, I see obviously the Broncos have really fixed their locker room. At least it seems so. That Fangio has brought back respectability and a good atmosphere into that locker room, which is good. John Gruden does not seem to have done the same. If you watch Hard Knocks whatsoever, you see that he seems to want attention just as much as anyone else. And he's kind of a diva head coach. So he's kind of this guy who's kind of, he he really is big for his britches. Now, can he back it up? Maybe he's won a Super Bowl for goodness sake. So he is a good coach. And I think he is going to, to make this team better and better and better. Now, the Broncos... The issue with them is that it is a new scheme. That That's one of the problems I have. Now, I think it's a good scheme, especially on defense. The offense, we'll see. I, I don't know if I love it yet. I don't. I, honestly, I don't love it yet. The, the preseason was brutal, but I, I understand it's vanilla, etc. Um, but the defense should be really good, could be great. And, and Vangio's scheme is one of the best in football. I think that, that goes without question. 
but it's still something that the players have to learn. They have to learn the new lingo. They have to learn their new positions for some of them. And and that's something that I think takes a little bit of time. And and I think that's going to be something that Broncos could struggle with out of the gate. Oakland has that continuity. They have the same quarterback. Antonio Brown is a guy who can you can plug and play. Josh Jacobs is a good running back. And I think I think there's going to be a close game. It's one that the Broncos could win. Honestly, it's a push. If I'm if I'm a betting man, I, I have it as a push. If you're betting them straight up, but I think I'm going to have it as a Broncos loss at Oakland. I know, slap me now. It's not great. I don't feel good about it either. But I have it as a loss. Next game, it is at home against Chicago. Now, this is another tough one because this is a short week, but it's at home and it's against Fangio's former team, which is. It tends to be an advantage for the defense. You've seen it before, or sometimes for the offense as well. So I guess you could say that, you know, maybe Nagy or Nagy, what's his name, in the head coach in Chicago, maybe he will have Fangio's number. But I actually think it's going to be the other way around. I think Fangio is going to know exactly how to attack Trubisky and the Chicago offense. And I think that you're going to see the Broncos fans show up as well. And I think you'll find, you'll see a good game. You'll see the offense get into a little bit more of a flow. And I think they'll have a better game at home against Chicago. So I have that as their first win. So one and one to start the season. Then they're at Green Bay. Green Bay, I think, is a, is a really good team this year. They've got a really good quarterback. They have a better defense. Um, they really went out in the draft and free, free agency and filled all of the needs that they, they seemed to have. And I, Joe Flacco versus Aaron Rodgers, it just ends up as a loss for the Broncos. So one and two to start the season. Then it's at, excuse me, it's at home against Jacksonville. Now, again, if you go over and check out my um, my show, The Footballologist, on YouTube, you'll see that Jacksonville is a team that I'm absolutely selling this year. I think a lot of people have them as you know being being a decent or even a good team, thanks a lot to their their defense being what people think is going to be a top five, um, and also thanks to um, Nick Foles coming over, of course, on a monster monster contract. Uh, after winning a Super Bowl with with Philly a couple years ago, and I think they're going to be improved. They're going to win more than six games like they did last year. But they're not a team that scares me. Leonard Fournette has never proven anything. D.D. Westbrook is their slot receiver who could put up a lot of numbers. He's a good fantasy guy. I like him a lot, especially with Nick Foles. But they're not a team that 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 makes me think they're going to come into Denver and beat Denver. I just I don't see it. I think it's going to be a kind of a brutal game. It's going to be kind of a defensive battle. And I do think that's a game that Joe Flacco can win. I think he can outduel Nick Foles. So I have that as a win at home against Jacksonville. So, so far, two and two. Next up, it's on the road at the LA Chargers. Um, they're a team that everyone, again, who listened to this show knows that I predicted them to win the AFC West. They were close, uh, couldn't quite pull it out in the end. They're a very good team. They've got one of the best defenses in football. They've got Phillip Rivers. Um, it's a big it's a big problem. They don't have Melvin Gordon, but they're not a big-time running team anyway. So they'll do a lot of their dink and dunks. You'll have Austin Eckler out of the backfield. So I think they'll be okay on offense. They would be better with Gordon, of course. But they're a team, especially if they stay healthy. And if Phillip Rivers can can continue to be Phillip Rivers and not choke in the big games. So anyway, at LA, I've got that as a loss so two and three to start the season then they're at home against Tennessee Tennessee is a team that I think is going absolutely nowhere they, they don't have anything going for them in my opinion I think Derrick Henry's going to have a good year again I think he's a good fantasy back a guy who's going to punch it into the end zone a fair amount but he, you know his yards per carry in the past past few years is not great their offensive line is not great their defense is okay and Marcus Mariota has never proven he can't stay on the field and even when he has been on the field, he's been a bottom 10 or at least bottom half quarterback. So they're a team that doesn't scare me in the least. I think the Broncos are absolutely more talented than the Tennessee Titans. And that being the case, I think absolutely they can win at home against Tennessee. So again, you see um, that we'll have them at three and three to start the season. So up next after that, it gets a little bit dicier for the Broncos as the next game after Tennessee is at home against Kansas City. This was a really, actually a hard game to predict for me because the Broncos played Kansas City really well last year, actually. And in, and it was a surprise. And they, they really should have won that first game against Kansas City. 
and they didn't. And I think that they, they could do that a bit this year too, because I think if you get in Mahomes' face, it's obviously going to cause him more problems. I think Mahomes is going to have some plays this year that go against him. He just, nothing ever went wrong for him last year, it seemed. It just, he could make these crazy, you know, cross his body passes and they should have been picked and they just never were. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he's a very good quarterback, but I think he's going to make, he's going to have a couple plays that are going to go against him um, this season. That being said, oh, this is such a hard game for me. I think I still have, I have this like a push. Um, it's an evening game. Uh, it's at home for Denver. I still, I've got to give it to Kansas City. I just think Kansas City's got such a good offense. Patrick Mahomes is is the best quarterback in football. And even perhaps the Broncos can win this if Mahomes makes a couple mistakes, which could happen. But I think I'm still going to give it to to, um, KC. Um, Ah, I don't know. I'm I'm so on 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 the fence about this game. I've gone back and forth and back and forth. And I do think I think I think Fangio can take a game from Kansas City. I, I really do. I think this te- this defense is really built in a really good way to defeat this team. And I think Fangio can actually outcoach Reed. So you know what? You know what? Mark that off. I'm giving this as a win. I say the Broncos are going to win at home against KC. I hope I don't regret it, but that's my bet. A win at home against KC. So four and three to start the season. This means Joe Flacco is set for the rest of the season, really, unless he gets injured, which which hopefully that is not the case, as we see that the backup situation is not fantastic. Now, maybe Drew Locke possibly, hopefully, comes back healthy after six weeks. But right now, um, I think it's Jordan Allen comes in from LA, who's a third string nobody who's never played a snap in the NFL. So hopefully... It's not him. Now, after Kansas City, it's at Indianapolis. Um, This is tough because it's kind of a short week. The Broncos just played a primetime game at home against Kansas City. They're really riding a high. I say they're going to win. So I think actually Indy is still going to be a good team. Obviously, they're not as good without Andrew Luck. But Jacoby Brissett is probably the top backup and now you know a decent starter in the league. They got a really good team around him. They got a solid defense. They've got a really good offensive line and really good coaching staff. So I think at home, Indianapolis can win this. And I think the Broncos are coming off a big win. It's going to be a tough one to win for the Broncos. So a loss at Indy has them at four and four. After Indianapolis, it's at home against Cleveland. Now I know everyone, everyone and their brother and mother and sons are buying Cleveland this year. And Cleveland is extremely talented. Uh, Baker Mayfield, OBJ, Chubb, Landry—they—they're they, really—they've got a lot of players on offense and a few on defense that could really make this a really good team. But I think they're actually being sold, oversold a bit. I think they're the young—I I know they're the youngest team in football. They have a a young head coach who's really done very little. He's done extremely little play calling. Um, he improved their offense last year, but I think Baker Mayfield is a guy who, if he struggles, if it gets into his head, I want to see how he can handle it. I don't know if he's a guy who's going to be able to handle adversity. Now he kind of did last year and he came in and and he kind of proved himself, but sometimes his body language and the way he talks, just, I'm not positive about him. Now he's extremely talented. I'm not, I'm not selling Baker Mayfield at all. I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he will be. And Cleveland is kind of my second team, honestly. I used to cover them for Cover32.com. And I think this is going to be another surprise win. I think Denver can win this game. It's at home. It's against a really young team. It's against a young coach. I think Fangio is going to out-coach Kitchens in this one. You got two rookie head coaches. Fangio, though, has, what, maybe 25 years more experience as a, as a coordinator than Kitchens. And I think this is a game that can, I think it'll come, it'll be close. It'll come down to the end. And I think Denver pulls it off. Um, So I believe I have the Broncos at five and nine going to, or five, excuse me, five and four going to the break. Let me check. Win against Chicago, win against Jacksonville, win against Tennessee, and then win against Casey, win in, in at home against Cleveland. So five wins. So they're five and four going into the bye. That is a really good position if you're a Broncos fan, you're feeling awesome. You're feeling like, hey, look, this team can go somewhere. This team can be someone. Week 10 is a really nice place to have a bye. They just came off of three tough games against Kansas City, Indy, and Cleveland. I actually have them winning two of those, which, yeah, we'll see. Um, then they come off the bye, and they play at Minnesota. That's a really tough game. I really like Minnesota this year. They've got a really good defense. they got a good running back, a really good running back. Dalvin Cook is awesome. I think Kirk Cousins 
improves. He's going to play better. I don't know. He's not a great quarterback, but he'll be above average. And I think Gary Kubiak's scheme is really going to turn this team around, this offense around. So I think I think Minnesota is one of my favorite teams in the NFL this year. They're going to put it together. And this is a loss on the road after the bye week. Then they are at Buffalo. Now, this might surprise some people, but I've got this also as a loss. I think Buffalo is going to be a hard team to beat. They're another team that are just solid all around. They're going to be ugly. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play defense. They've got coaches that have been there a while. Everyone knows what's going on. They're all comfortable with each other. It's at Buffalo, so the weather could be crazy, even though it's the end of November. So, you know, maybe it'll be okay. It's a it's a 1 p.m. game. They've got to travel to the East Coast. I think this is another loss. It's a If the Broncos are legit, this is a game they win. But I, I think they lose this game. So right now... The Broncos are looking at five and six. Now, up next, it's at home against the Chargers. I just think the Chargers are a better team. I think I think they're just there's nothing that tells me the Broncos can beat the Chargers. Now, I do have the Broncos beating KC, but I, in some ways, I have them matching against them better. So I, I think again, I think three losses in a row, LA Chargers come into Denver and beat the Broncos, and I think Philip Rivers again, shows how much of a better quarterback he is than Joe Flacco. Okay, after the Chargers, it's at Houston. Now, Houston is a tough one. They're a team that is going all in. Anyone who's cover- who's following the NFL sees that they are trading away their future for the now, which is really terrifying if you're a Houston fan because if they don't win right now, your future is mortgaged for a garbage team. And I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. I think they're they're solid. I really like Deshaun Watson. J.J. Watt is one of my favorite people in the NFL, but they're they're kind of a team that's on the edge of being really good, but they're really just kind of good. And and I think that they're going to, by the end of the season, they're going to be really hard-pressed. I think Bill O'Brien knows he's on the hot seat. He knows that having just acted as a GM, if these mistakes, if these, <laughs> I should say, if these decisions turn into mistakes, he could be on the hot seat. He probably already is on the hot seat. And I think... Maybe Tunsil comes in and fixes that offensive line at left tackle, one of the big trades they just made. But I actually have the Broncos with a win here. Now, this absolutely could go the other way. It could be a loss, um, but so could any other game. So I actually have the Broncos going into Houston and winning. Okay, after Houston, it is at Kansas City. Absolutely a loss. The Broncos rarely win in Kansas City. People... Other teams rarely win in Kansas City. There's no reason to expect this as a win. I already have the Broncos winning once. Let's not um, let's not get too optimistic here. So that's a loss. Um, so at the moment, the Broncos are at six and eight. Um, after Kansas City, they play at home against Detroit. Detroit is is not a a very good team. I think Stafford is a guy who's he might be the next Andrew Luck and just retires and says, you know, I quit. He's been he's been hurt a lot. He's been banged up a lot. Tough dude. But this team, they're, they're just never, they're Detroit, you know? They're just, they never put it together. Partly because Stafford has been good, but not great. And they pay him a ton of money. It's, it's the perfect way to lose in today's NFL. Finally, they play at home against Oakland. I also have that as a win. Um, I think Denver should win at home against Oakland, no problem. And I think that they will wrap up the year with a with a nice, solid victory against their rivals, the Oakland Raiders. So I have the Broncos finally with an eight and eight record. This could absolutely go one or two games in either direction, but I, I feel confident in saying that this team will end up around eight and eight by the time the season ends. I will definitely be curious to hear what you all think. Find me on Twitter at Kevy Gillikin. That's at K-E-V-V-Y-G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N on Twitter. Or of course, go to the comment section at milehighreport.com and bash me as much as you like. Just keep it clean. No name calling. Do it professionally because that's how we roll with SB Nation. We can disagree all we want, but let's, let's, you know, come on, let's be, let's be nice. Let's know that, hey, we're all fans here. I want the Broncos to go 19 and 0, but let's be, uh, let's be realistic and look at this game, this, these, this schedule as it's actually going to happen, not just in our fantasy world. But I would still love to hear what games you think they can win or lose that are obviously different than mine. 
Now, up next, we're going to send it over to the Skipper Dude, who is going to give his thoughts on the Broncos preseason, their cuts, and their recent signings, and what he thinks the Broncos can do with the 2019 season. I'll give you a hint. He's more optimistic than I am. Finally, finally ready for showtime. Now, I don't know if this is just an old age thing or if it's something that happens to you as well, but have you ever been to a movie and the previews go on for so long that you end up turning to the person you came with and you say, what did we come to see again? Well, I know I'm pretty much feeling that way about the NFL season, but after an insufferable five weeks of previews and preseason games, we are finally ready for the regular season. Now, as you well know, Kevin and I are big believers in looking at football from the human aspect, and we often focus on what I like to call social intangibles. These are things like coaching, leadership, locker room harmony, and the effects of drama queens on the overall culture. And as you probably know as well, we've both been singing the praises of this new Denver Bronco regime almost since they were first hired. Kevin and I are both convinced that these social intangibles are going to show up on the field in the form of winning games at some point. We do disagree a bit on how long that's going to take. I think you're going to see some good fruits from the Fangio regime this year. Kevin thinks we're still a year or so away. So this prediction, this is prediction week here at Mile High Report. And if you're listening to our broadcast last week, you heard mine. I believe the Broncos are going to win a tough road game or two that nobody expects them to win during the regular season en route to a 10-6 and record, a wild-card berth, and then a miraculous 24-13 victory in Baltimore in the wild-card round. But today, I wanted to focus a little more on last week's roster cutdowns and how I believe they continue to move the Broncos in a very good cultural direction. If you remember back to grade school and in middle school, even high school, Almost every one of us probably dealt with the social pressures of youth, especially in our middle school and into our high school years. In almost any setting, you'd have cool kids, jocks, nerds, kids that were in the in crowd and those who weren't. And if you were like me and you spent most of your pubescent years as not a cool kid, you kind of looked forward to getting into the adult world where things would get better. Only... They almost never do get better in the adult world. If you happen to work in a large company like I do, and I've heard this story, the kind of story from countless friends, that same social strata system exists there as well. And there isn't really any rationality to it. Certain people just end up being part of the professional in crowd, and others aren't going to make their way up in the company, no matter what they do or how they perform. As it turns out, I think it's just human nature. People at the top of the social food chain and business is typically your vice presidents and senior VPs don't typically surround themselves with the best and brightest talent. They tend to surround themselves with people they trust. And oftentimes they have incredibly poor judgment in deciding who to trust. Now, you would think that the NFL being, being a meritocracy where the only thing that matters is winning and there's such a tangible way of measuring success that it would be different. But in my opinion, at least, I think the good old boy network is almost as bad there as anywhere. It's an axiom of life, I think. When men or women get into positions of power, their entire focus becomes doing what they need to do to maintain that power. And they emphasize safe decisions and security, as in job security, above risk-taking. In the sports world, of course, we call that playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Now, something you need to understand about the, uh, the business world, and the NFL is by no means immune, immune to this, most leaders are absolutely petrified of making decisions or relaying news up the food chain that could in any way jeopardize their jobs, make them look bad, make their teams look bad, make their bosses look bad. And the result is a good old boys network where truth really isn't valued, where risk-taking is shunned, and where most guys, even NFL head coaches, become some sort of yes-men who block their higher-ups from any possibility of short-term pain in pretty much any matter. Now, guys, let's be honest. John Elway has run the Broncos as a good old boys network for most of his tenure here in, in Denver as a GM. 
He was attached to Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak as a player, and he kind of built his organization around guys like those two with whom he felt comfortable. And this comfortable environment brought along with it comfortable coordinators, guys like Rick Dennison and Bill Musgrave and Joe Woods, who are just safe but absolutely terrible options as coordinators. And when you're in this kind of environment, survival as a player is a function of catching the coach's attention and getting into his favor. And that might honestly not be through hard work and good performance. In fact, you may not even know exactly what it takes to get into the coach's favor. That's when your culture starts to turn sour, as it did the past two years here in Denver. And that's where your players start to lose respect for the coaching staff, which is exactly what happened here. But all of that changed this year when Elway seems to have had some sort of epiphany and got out of his comfort zone and brought in a new head coach, Vic Fangio, who is going to turn Dove Valley into a pure meritocracy rather than the typical good old boys network. And I think last week's roster moves were a good indicator of what I mean. Now, let me explain. So, so Fangio and Ed Donatel and Bill Kolar were faced with a difficult decision at nose tackle a couple weeks ago between Zach Kerr and Mike Purcell. The easy choice would have been to go with Kerr. Why? Because he's a known quality quantity. He's been around uh, a couple years. He's a good locker room guy. Least chance of any upheaval among the veterans. But Purcell just looked better in camp, and the coaching staff decided to make the hard decision and cut Zach Kerr. Now, you couple that with that the decision that they made actually the same day that was even tougher between Dakota Watson and Malik Reed at outside linebacker. The, the easy decision was to go with Watson. Why? Because cutting Watson was a bit of a black eye on John Elway for having given up draft capital to get him. Now, granted, he didn't, we didn't give up much, right? I mean, I was one of the voices who said right after the draft that the Dakota Watson trade was simply Elway doing a solid for John Lynch, who, who had a guy he wanted, I think it was in the sixth round, and obviously Elway didn't. But I also believe that if, if Vance Joseph were still head coach here, he would have gone with Dakota Watson and, and cut Reed, hoping Reed made it through waivers because VJ at least seemed to be one of those typical good old boys who wouldn't have had the guts to tell John Elway that in the best interest of the team, he needed to give Elway a little bit of a black eye and cut Dakota Watson. I, I think VJ would have suffered through keeping a lesser talent, Watson, and taking his chance in losing Reed simply because it was the easy decision. Fangio, though, on the other hand, he doesn't care. And, and I think that the irony here is that Elway respects that. Maybe even he might even respect it more than he would have respected a head coach who would have worked harder to save face for him over Dakota Watson. All right, now let's move on real quickly to Sua Cravens. He arguably the most physically gifted member of that Broncos secondary during camp. But again, Fangio made a hard decision. If, if you are not good in coverage, and, and Cravens isn't, you are not going to make this team. I thought the Cravens cut was not only a good move, but one that sent a clear message to the entire defense about coverage skills. If you are in the secondary and probably even as a linebacker and you don't have coverage skills, you are not going to play in a Vic Fangio defense. And then, of course, came the biggie, and that was Kevin Hogan. The easy decision and the one most coaches, I believe, would, would have made, including last year's regime, is to keep Kevin Hogan. Yeah, you, you know he sucks. And if Flacco goes down for four games, say, you're probably going to be looking at going 0-4. But it's the easy decision. No conflict. You just keep Kevin Hogan, and you kind of pray that Flacco doesn't go down to injury. And if he does, you hope at some time after Drew Locke is healthy, and even if Drew Locke sucks as well, then at least you can pacify the fan base by telling them you're building for the future. Now, the, the hard decision says that we want to win this year. We want to win now, which means having a viable backup quarterback who can win a game or two at a, at a four, say, if Flacco goes down with an injury. Now, if Flacco goes down for the entire season with an ACL uh, or something like that, you're probably done for regardless. And, and at that point, I think you just give Drew Locke an extended look and see what you have in him. But it's a hard, harsh truth. 
Fangio wants a legitimate, viable backup quarterback in Denver to start this year. Whether Brandon Allen turns out to be that guy, I guess we may or may not find out. But I think we can all be in agreement that Kevin Hogan wasn't that guy. So, so I've probably said this too many times the past few months, but kudos again to John Elway for having the fortitude to bring in a guy like Vic Fangio, who is not scared to make hard decisions in the best interest of the team. Honestly, I think it's an indictment against the rest of the NFL that it took so long for Vangio to land his first head coaching job. I mean, the other GMs simply haven't been willing to get out of their comfort zones, rise above the good old boy networks, and make the bold decision to bring on a guy like Fangio who is willing to make bold, independent decisions because these other GMs have always wanted to play things safe. But, but these bold decisions are the ones that win championships. Will the Broncos' decision on their QB2 make the difference between making the Super Bowl or not this year? No, probably not. The Broncos really don't begin the year as legitimate Super Bowl contenders anyway. But I promise you, at some point in the future, one of these tough decisions is going to make the difference between being one and out in the playoffs versus going deep into the playoffs, or making the Super Bowl versus not making it, or winning the Super Bowl versus losing the Super Bowl. I think we're moving in the right direction. Kevin, back to you. As always, a big thank you to the Skipper Dude with some really good takes, I think. Again, more optimistic than I am, but I love it. I love people's optimism. I hope you're right. And I know everyone listening to me, you know, don't don't think I hate the Broncos. I love this team. I've I've loved this team since I was five years old. So I'm I'm on board with you. I think they're in the right direction, but I just don't think they're there. I think their 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 depth is terrible. If any injuries happen really in any position, they're they're in big trouble. And you know injuries will happen, and you know if they do. The Broncos are in trouble. I don't like their inside linebackers. I don't love their offensive line. And I really don't love their quarterback. If you don't have a great quarterback in this league, you have to have a great team around him, like the Broncos in 2015. Now, they have a really good defense, but we don't know yet it'll be great. And we don't really see any other huge improvements on offense. I don't love this receiving core, as everyone knows. I think Emmanuel Sanders is the key to this team, really. He's the key to the offense because he can become the guy who opens up the offense for everyone else. Maybe he gets double covered. You know, maybe he opens up the middle of the field for, for Fant or, or Sutton can can get the balls down the field. But if Sanders is not healthy and playing 100%, this team, this offense will be bad. I don't mean just below average. They could be one of the worst in football. And I think even with Sanders, they're going to struggle. They're, they're just not, that. there's nothing to tell me they're going to be a great offense. And, and that being the case, I don't think this is going to be a great team. As I said in the last segment, I think the Broncos will go 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, a couple of my other takes for the season. I want to give three kind of out there ideas, hot takes, if you will, for the season. Three for offense and three for defense. Now, of course, you know, these are not absolutely going to happen, maybe not likely going to happen. And some of them are hotter than others. Let's just say that. So let's start. My number one hot take for the offense is that Royce Freeman will run for 1,000 yards. I think he becomes the bell cow back. I think that he has a better year than Lindsay. I know Lindsay is, is kind of the, the one that everyone is in love with. He's the local guy. He's the, the exciting, sexy runner. And I still believe that to be true. I, I love his electricity. I hope they get him in space, but I do think that Royce Freeman really should work in this offense. Well, if his run, if his offensive lineman can give him some space, which I think they might, I think they could possibly be a decent run blocking team. And I think Royce Freeman, Freeman will really take advantage of that. I think he's close. I think he's a guy who could totally fail and totally be gone even after one season or you know another season. But I, I just have this feeling he's going to take that next step and that Lindsay's going to become more of your your scat back, first down back, or or, or whatever. Um, free and Lindsay will really have to show. They'll both have to show that they can defend that they can um, pass block. Uh, and that's something that we haven't really gotten to see. I mean, Devin Booker really became the third down back in many cases last year. Hopefully, we all pray and hope that is not the case this season. Either way, I don't know if I draft either of them in fantasy football, but if I did draft one, I would honestly draft Royce Freeman. Now, could this be wrong? Absolutely, it could be wrong. But let's find out. Now, my number two hot take is that Joe Flacco will be quietly, quietly, no one's going to notice because he's going to kind of impress He's going to play better than Case Keenum and Trevor Simeon, at least we think. I think he's going to be quietly be a bottom three quarterback in 2019. 
I think he's going to make some plays. I think he's going to maybe complete some third down passes, which is obviously important. But I think his stats in general, I think his QBR rating, I think it's going to be rough. I, I think he's not going to have a good season. And I think it's going to show, you know, I, I had some faith in him early when they got him, but I just don't see it. You know, the more you look at his stats in his past few seasons, I just don't think he's a good quarterback. He's just simply not a good quarterback. So that's my number two, that he'll be a bottom three quarterback in terms of, you know, QBR and, and general statistics. Um, my number three for the offense hot take is that Juwan Winfrey will be a starter, a wide receiving starter by week eight. I, I don't believe in Tim Patrick. I'm not a big Deshaun Hamilton fan. I'm not even positive about Cortland Sutton. And I know that I've gotten just unbelievable flack for the, the, these thoughts, but what have they done? I mean, Tim Patrick, every, everyone loves him. I hope he succeeds. I'm not saying I hope ill of him. I don't want him to fail, but I don't see what everyone else is seeing or, or many people are seeing with Tim Patrick. What, 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 what are you all seeing? I mean, I saw one great one-handed catch in the end zone during the preseason, but or in, in, I don't know, mini camps or whenever that was. I mean, it was at Dove Valley, so who cares? I mean, that was one catch. You never hear his name. You never hear Deshaun Hamilton either. You know why? Because they don't catch the ball. They don't get open. Now, I hope they prove me wrong, but I've seen nothing, nothing to tell me that Tim Patrick or Deshaun Hamilton are going to be anything above average. So I think Juwan Winfrey, I think he's going to get a chance to start. I think he's got the body. I think he's got the the attitude. I just saw that he's getting fined $28,000 for his hit on the, the special teams play, which was one of the top plays of the preseason, which is pretty remarkable in itself. Um, and I think that's a travesty. I really, really hope that he he can overturn that case because, geez, these guys don't get paid that much. And 30000 or 28000 when you're a rookie, that that's a big hit. And I don't that was not that bad of a, of a hit on a defenseless player or whatever. So... I'm calling garbage on that one, but I am. That's my third take that Winfrey will be a starter by week eight. All right. Three hot takes on defense. Um, I think the defense, this isn't really a hot take, but this is a prediction. I think they'll top, be top five in the NFL in points scored against. Um, yeah, it's not a hot take, but it's a take. Honestly, this defense is, is harder to do hot takes because I think they're really pretty solid all the way around in, in general. And so, yeah, not a hot take, but a take that they will be top five in um, points scored against in 2019. Uh, my second hot take is that one of the defensive linemen will end up in the Pro Bowl. I don't really know who. I think it could be Harris. It could be Gotsis. It could be Wolf. I think it'll be one of those three. And I could actually see it being all three. And that shows you how strong that defensive line is. I mean, I really love all three of them. I think Wolf is, is maybe getting a little older, but you know his experience, is, I think, is going to be an advantage. He looks good. He looks healthy. Gotsis looks like he's really ready for that next step. And Shelby Harris was one of the best Broncos, period, in 2018. And he's been seemingly really good in, in the preseason in 2019. So I think all three of them could have great years. And I think one of them will go to the Pro Bowl. I, I don't know which one. I guess if I had to pick, I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go out and, on a really hot take, and I'm going to say Adam Gotsis makes the Pro Bowl. Yeah, it's, it's kind of an extreme take, but the, I, I I think one of them makes it, and I'll say Gotsis. All right, finally, my last hot take on the defense is that Justin Simmons will lead the team in tackles. Now, it's not too unheard of for a safety to lead the team in tackles, um, and last season Simmons had 97 to Todd Davis is 114. So you really should have a linebacker who's, who's getting over a hundred and really probably should be leading the team, but I don't love Todd Davis. I don't love the inside linebackers for the Broncos this season. And I do really like Simmons. I think Simmons is going to have a breakout year. He could also be a pro bowler. I do believe that he had a great preseason. Um, and he's a guy who I think is going to flash. I think that Fangio is going to really, really put him in a position to succeed both, you know, and coming up in the box and also, you know, getting out there in center field and picking the ball off. I think Simmons is going to be great. And I think he's going to lead the team in tackles in 2019. Okay. That's what I've got for the Denver Broncos. You know, I'm just going to go without a break because, you know, why take a break? We don't need, we don't need a break today. We're, we're, we're ready for the regular season. We're going to just keep on going. So I do actually real quickly want to give some takes, some hot takes or some basic takes on the NFL in general in 2019, because I want to be able to toot my own horn when some of them come right and not say a word when most of them are not because that's what we do that's what we do um okay so i want to go quickly and just say that i want to who i think is going to make the playoffs in the afc and the, and, and the nfc in the afc north i've got pittsburgh i love pittsburgh this year 
Uh, I think they're really being undersold. I think that everyone thinks because Brown is gone, Antonio Brown is gone, that Roethlisberger is just going to fall off a cliff. Roethlisberger has won with other receivers. He's been a great quarterback with other receivers. Mike Wallace was great there, and then he left, and he was terrible. It just shows you Roethlisberger is a big key, obviously, like the key to that offense. They've got a good offensive line. They've got a good defense, and they have a very solid, stable foundation. You know, their 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 head coach, their ownership, their GM. They've been there forever, and they just everyone knows what to expect when you go and play at Pittsburgh, and that's a big deal. And I think they went out and got Devin Bush, who is going to be a missile at middle linebacker, and he's going to be this quintessential Pittsburgh Steeler, who I think is going to help lead them to a an AFC North victory. Now, AFC South is is just a brutal mess. I don't like really anyone there. Um, Jacksonville, I already said I didn't like. Tennessee, I don't like at all. Um, I think Indy's going to be better than people think without luck, but I don't think they're going to be good enough. I think Houston will win the AFC South, but it's not going to be pretty, and it's not going to be by a lot. And I think the only reason they do is because of Deshaun Watson being a really, really solid quarterback. Now, AFC West, I have to give it to Kansas City. Um, I don't love their defense. And I think that they're going to lose a couple games this year that they didn't last year because of crazy plays that Mahomes tries to make that this year fail and end up in pick sixes. But they still have a great offense. They've got a great quarterback and a great coach. That just adds up to be a win in general. So the Chiefs winning the AFC West. In the AFC East, it's got to be New England. Now, I do like Buffalo this year. I think they're an improvement. As you all know, I just had them beating Denver in Buffalo. Um, I think they're they're getting closer. I think the Jets took a step forward as well. So it's going to be a harder division to win, except for Miami, of course. But New England has the second easiest schedule in the NFL. They've got Brady. They got Belichick. They got McDaniel's. They got a really good defense. They got a solid ground game. The offensive line I don't love, and I don't love Brady. But honestly, the rest is good enough that, that, that it should be absolutely no problem for them to win a week east, a week east, a week east in the AFC. Now, the wild cards I have going to the LA Chargers. I like them a lot this year. I think they're, again, right behind Kansas City. I think they'll battle them all season. And then I have, uh, it looked like, it looked like I can't read my own writing. It looked like Dallas. No, it's Baltimore. Um, Baltimore, uh, I think, is going to be another team that's vastly underrated. People think Lamar Jackson is just not good enough at quarterback. I think he's going to take a step forward as a passer and another step forward as a rusher. I think they're going to have a great running team, a decent passing team, and a good defense with a great coach. Again, I think John Harbaugh is one of the top three coaches. So we really just went over three of the top coaches in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, Okay, maybe I guess you can put McVay in the top three, but three of the top four, at least, with Belichick, Reed, and Harbaugh and all of them, unfortunately, for us in the AFC. In the NFC, I have in the North, I have Green Bay. They've got Aaron Rodgers. They have have an improved team. I don't love Rodgers. I I think he's kind of a jerk, and I think he doesn't really work well as teammates or coaches, but he's an amazing talent, and they've put some talent around him. So I think that Green Bay is going to win that fairly easily. The NFC South, now that's a tighter one. That's a really tough division. And I actually think Tampa Bay is going to be better this year. I think Carolina is always... They're always in it. They're always scary. But I do think Cam Newton gets hurt. I could see Cam Newton pulling in Andrew Luck and retiring early. Maybe not this year, but I could see it. He's another guy who's just banged up and, and doesn't seem to love playing football all the time because of primarily because of injuries. Um, so I have Atlanta winning it. I know New Orleans is predicted as a really, really good team, but I I just have a feeling. Now, this is this is a hot take. Honestly, this is probably the hottest take of, of this entire show that Drew Brees is really going to fall off a cliff. He fell off in the last four games last year, and I think he's going to fall off. I think he's hit that wall, and I think with that, this team is not even a playoff team. I think New Orleans misses the playoffs. I know hot take there. A lot of people have them actually winning the Super Bowl. I'm going to say that's an extreme hot take and that New Orleans does not make it at all. Now, in the West, I do have the LA Rams. I think, though, they're going to really struggle Okay, not I shouldn't say really struggle, but they're going to have a harder time this year, and I think that division is going to be much tougher. I think San Francisco is going to be decent. I think Seattle is going to be decent as well, and so I think that you're not going to see the Rams just kind of plow through and, and, and easily win. I think the Patriots showed teams how to beat them. They showed that Goff is not smart enough to 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 really call his own plays at the line of scrimmage, and so if you can out-coach McVay, if you can call in plays after the snap, you're going to beat them, and I think that Goff kind of proved in the Super Bowl that he is overrated because Sean McVay is such a good coach. So if they can figure out, if teams can figure out how to um, change the play post-snap, they are in serious, serious trouble. 
Uh, I still have them, though, winning the West, and I think that they'll end up, I don't know, 10-6, and 9-7. Now, the NFC East, I've got Philadelphia. Um, they, they're in a pretty brutal division. People like Dallas, but I just don't see it with Dallas. Dak Prescott, I don't see as being that great of a quarterback. Um, so Philadelphia is an all-around good team. I like Carson Wentz, good offensive line, good defensive line, good coach. Uh, Philadelphia is pretty easy pick there. Uh, wild card, I have Seattle. Um, that's another one that's kind of a hot take. I think their defense improved. They got Jadavian Clowney. They've got a couple of guys who are going to make them at least an average defense, and they've got Russell Wilson, and they've got Pete Carroll. So they got a really good coach and a great quarterback, and that just it just makes for a playoff team. Finally, wild card, I have Minnesota. Um, I actually really like Minnesota this year, as I said earlier. Um, I think they're going to put it all together. I think Gary Kubiak is going to make this a good offense. I think Kirk Cousins has a really good year. I just drafted it in my primary fantasy team. Uh, I know no one cares, but I think he's actually going to have a really solid year in Minnesota. And so I have them as the second wild card behind Seattle. Now, who do I have going to the Super Bowl? This might surprise people. I, I wanted at first to say Minnesota, but I started looking at their schedule and it's pretty hard. And I think they're not quite there. I could see Minnesota making a run just because they're so solid everywhere. I got a really good defense, good running game, and I, and I think a quarterback who's going to take a step forward. But I think I'm going to give it to Philadelphia in the NFC to make to the to the um, Super Bowl, and I'm going to say Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, make it in the AFC. I think that New England, their run in the playoffs is done. I think Tom Brady's run in the playoffs is done. I think they'll lose fairly early on in the playoffs. And I think the same for the LA Rams. I think they're going to be a bit figured out until McVay can fix the system, which pretty much means a different quarterback than Jared Goff, who just is probably not quite smart enough, not quite good enough to be a great QB. And I think that you will see them trade him before they have to pay him. But uh, I could be wrong there, of course. So in the Super Bowl, I've got Pittsburgh and I've got Philadelphia. Lucky you, Pennsylvania. I don't know who's going to win. I mean, if I had to pick... I'll, I will say Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Steelers win the Super Bowl in 2019. The Broncos end up 8-8, eight and eight, but take a step forward and head into 2020 with a few questions, especially at quarterback, but more of them answered. And hopefully, Elway can put together another good draft, another free agency. And in 2020, 2021, this will be a team that we're talking about the playoffs. And heck, maybe, just maybe, we're talking about the Super Bowl. Go Broncos. We will talk to you all next Tuesday morning after the Broncos game. Can't wait for it. Can't wait to talk about it. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope they win in Oakland. And let's hope it's 50 to zero because it is until it ain't. Until then, enjoy week one of the NFL season.